Well, good morning. This morning is our Mission Sunday, one of my favorite Sundays in the year um, because we get to get a glimpse, just a tiny little picture, a little window into some of the things that God is doing in our world. And it's exciting. It it really is exciting to be a part of. So I think you're going to be glad you came this morning. Um, I'm going to be introducing you throughout the morning to a few different friends. Um, But let me share a few quick updates before we jump in. I wanted to let you know that uh, for those of you that might be visiting or maybe you're um, relatively new to our church, welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, We would love to meet you. Uh, Outside there, we've got the Connect booth and you can drop on by there, introduce yourself. Um, We'd love to um, just get you some information about the church so that you can know kind of meaningful ways to connect. But next Sunday, um, we are starting another Connections class. It's a five-week class that we do a couple, few times a year. And the next Sunday, we're starting a new one at the nine o'clock service. So if you're looking for a way to lean in and get more connected to ABC, um, that's a great opportunity next Sunday, um, nine o'clock. You can jump on in and uh, we'll walk through some of our core values, things that we care about at ABC, how we view um, missions and how we view discipleship and some other things. And so you'll want to jump in if uh, you're looking to connect at ABC. Uh, In just a couple weeks, so two weeks from this weekend, um, we have... Uh, what we're calling Culture Conference. And I wanted to just mention, um, we've been announcing this, but here's, here's why we're doing this. It's, it's, a, it's an important um, kind of mark for our church in terms of a conversation that needs to happen. If, if you've been um, awake and conscious for the last two or three years, um, you know that uh, there is a tidal wave of culture coming at us, coming at our families and our kids. And um, in many ways, it feels like we're being drowned by the world, right? If you look around the world, you think, my goodness, how do we deal with the things that are happening in our world? And so what we want to do is provide some touch points throughout the year. This is be the first of several different touch points. And so we're calling it Culture Conference. um, And we'll have a few more that are focused on different topics. But the goal being to equip you with a biblical worldview, to be able to ask the question, what does God's word say about these topics? How do I think biblically about what's happening in the world? And then how do I have meaningful and helpful, fruitful conversations about what's happening in the world, particularly with young people? So for those of you that are parents or grandparents, um, you're asking these questions. My goodness, how do I address the topic of gender and sexuality as a parent who cares about what God's word says, who cares about the tidal wave of the the world coming at us, um, we need some tools. We need to be equipped. And so this is our effort as a church to equip you, to give you some tools. We're bringing some speakers in that um, are really well-versed with these topics, but also have a really strong biblical grounding in terms of how they view um, these topics. And so we're really looking forward to this time because I think we're all going to walk away with some tools and say, okay, I think I have a, a good, clear picture of what the world is saying about this. I have a clear picture of what God's word says about this, and therefore I can have meaningful conversations um, around this topic. And so that's happening in a couple weeks. You can sign up online. And then uh, that next day, um, something a little more fun and lighthearted than uh, gender and sexuality um, is uh, our Trunk or Treat events happening Sunday night, um, October 30th. And we're going to be in Sunken Gardens. Just a great way for us to be a light to the community. We're partnering with a bunch of other churches in town um, just to gather up our resources and our people and our cars and and just say, hey, we love our town. We love our community. We want a safe, clean um, environment for families to go um, on Sunday the 30th and share the love and the light of Jesus that way to our community. So um, if you're uh, someone that can purchase some candy and drop it off, a lot of people are bringing candy. It's pretty great. Um, Dropping it off at the office. Um, Bring on the candy. And then if you could uh, sign up to decorate your car, um, then do that. Maybe you got a creative idea on how to do that. Um, I know some of your wheels are spinning. I see you. Um, I see you thinking about it. So just pull the trigger, sign up. It's a good idea. Um, I want to invite up a couple of friends real quick. I'm going to invite up Matt Thomas and his wife, Ashley Thomas and Adria. Come on up too. Um, these are our ministry partners back in Kansas City. We've talked a lot about the Freedom Initiative Church Planting Organization. Come on over into the light, my friends. Um, so Matt Thomas is the founder and uh, director of Freedom Initiative. His wife, Ashley, keeps him in line. And, um, and then we have Adria who is um, the administrative director for that, that uh, organization. She really keeps things in line. 
Um, and so I wanted to introduce you uh, to these folks. I don't have a microphone. Look at me. Um, so I'm going to hand my uh, microphone to Matt. And Matt, tell us a little bit about Freedom Initiative. And we're going to talk more about this tonight at the dinner. I forgot to mention the mission's dinner. Tonight we're having a dinner. You're all invited. Come on down. Yeah, Pam's excited. So come on down, 6 o'clock tonight, and uh, we're going to have uh, Matt Thomas share a little bit about Freedom Initiative and then one of his co-pastors who is en route from yep. Dallas right now. Yep. Got stuck over there. That's a bummer. But he's coming. So he's going to be here tonight. Tell us about Freedom Initiative. So my name is Matt Thomas. Uh, like, like, like he said, we, we plant churches in some of the hardest areas like prisons and then other communities. And so we've been really blessed to be able to empower those that have been released from prison to actually go and develop and plant churches, but we actually start the process while they are still incarcerated. And so not only do we have churches inside prison, we have churches outside of prison, but we also have housing for them. And then we've just started a church plant training program inside of the prison to where these men will be fully developed in about two and a half to three years, licensed, ordained, and sent out to develop ministry and plant more churches. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, we're pumped to be part of it. Yeah. So uh, one, of the, one of the first guys that was discipled by Matt in this prison church planting process, his name is Will Stevens. And um, we had planned to have Will here this morning, standing here right here with us, but he's going to be here tonight. And Will's going to share his testimony at the dinner tonight. So you don't want to miss that. Um, 6 p.m., we're going to circle up right in, in this room, um, have a few minutes together, and then walk over to the gym, have dinner, and you'll hear from Matt a little bit more and hear from Will. So thank you guys for being here this morning. Let's give them a hand. Um, we're pumped. And in just a minute, you're going to get to hear more uh, from a few of our other ministry partners. Um, but we are walking through the Gospel of Matthew. And I just want to set up our time a little bit this morning, if I can, um, by jumping all the way to the end of Matthew. I know it's like a spoiler alert. So we're going through verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Here's what's happening in Matthew. You've seen this and heard this. Matthew's focusing in on the Jewish community, on what Jesus is doing to turn upside down this religious structure that has been put in place, these barriers sort of around the law, the religion of the Jews. And Jesus is just completely um, overturning that. And so Matthew's focusing in on this ministry Jesus is doing to the Jews. In fact, they're really focused, these guys, these disciples, as Jews themselves, uh, on how to transform community, society, and their faith amongst this Jewish community. And then at the end of the book, all the way at the end of Matthew, in chapter 28, Jesus throws out a statement that kind of turns things even upside down further for them. Here's what he says. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, many of you are familiar with this passage. All, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I want to pause right there. Even that one statement. Because these guys knew, they understood that Jesus had authority over the Jews. That he was coming as the Messiah, as the new ruler, as the redeemer to redeem the Jewish people. And so they understood Jesus has authority. We're giving him our, our authority. And then he steps out and says, but all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. And their minds are blown a little bit because they're going, wait, like even over Rome? Even over the Gentiles? And then he continues and he says, So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, we read that. We know that verse. A lot of you have memorized it. It's called the Great Commission. But when we come up to this passage of scripture for Matthew as he's writing out his gospel story and he's remembering the words of Jesus, imagine a Jewish context who was understanding the Redeemer to come for the Jews so that the Jews could conquer. And then he says, Jesus says, but go to all the nations, every nation, and bring the good news of the gospel and disciple them and baptize them and they're going, wait, hold on. That's crazy. Like all the nations to the ends of the earth. And the reason I know that they thought it was crazy is because we see stories like the one in John chapter 4 when Jesus engages with this Samaritan woman. And they're going, whoa, Jesus. Samaritan, hold on. 
And I could give you a dozen more examples in the Gospel of Matthew where they understood Jesus to come for them. That's my Jesus for me, for the Jews. You want me to go to someone else, to the ends of the earth, to the other nations, the unclean nations? And Jesus is saying, yeah, to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, that's the starting point. Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the reason I bring that up this morning is because we're going to look at global missions. We have an opportunity to hear from a couple of our own church family that have gone to the ends of the earth, that have answered that call, that have been obedient But I read that because we're sitting in the gospel of Matthew as a church. We're walking through this and I think we have the temptation. I think we're, uh, we tend to lean into our own context the way that Matthew's leaning into the Jewish context. And we think, okay, Atascadero, we're we're talking about discipleship. That's my children and my home. And we're talking about outreach. That's the poor in our community. And we need to reach Atascadero and Slow County. And maybe we'd go all the way up to San Miguel if we really wanted to. We're going to reach our community. We want transformation to happen right here. And sometimes we even get narrow enough focus to where we think it's the four walls. Well, my church should do this or be this. That my church should reach these kids. That we should focus in on our youth and our kids and equipping us so that we can transform into the image of Christ. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 you're missing the point. You're transformed so that you could go transform. You're blessed so that you could go be a blessing. Don't let it stop here. And all of those efforts, discipling our kids, preparing our families, equipping our church, all of those things are worthy and important causes. And we celebrate that and we put money and time and energy into that. Yes and amen to all of that. But then at the end of the the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, but also go. And not all of us can go. In fact, there are places in the world that many of us in this room couldn't walk into. And so we've had some that have seen what God was doing in the world and said, I'm going to go. I want to go to the ends of the earth. Not everybody can go, but I can't. I think I can. I'm going to invest the time and the energy and the effort and the study to earn the credibility, to learn the language, to show up and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And that's who I want to introduce you to this morning. So I'm going to invite Abel Miller to come on up and join me on stage here. Um, Abel grew up at ABC. um, And why don't you give him a hand? Look at that shirt. My goodness. So good. Good to see you, man. So... Abel uh, grew up at ABC and married Sarah, which is really important because she's the better part of the story. And, um, and then you guys have three children, and you have now been uh, in Tanzania in Africa for together over 10 years. But prior to that, you spent some time. Give us a little glimpse, a little window into the Abel Miller story, how you got to Tanzania, uh-huh. and then how, what you and Sarah did when you first showed up there. Okay. Um, so we, we got to, I got to Tanzania. Um, it's, a, it's a long story, but the, the basis of it is uh, I came up through ABC, through the youth program, and um, had different opportunities to go to Mexico and uh, get involved in missions through that. And um, the Lord just opened up an opportunity to go to Tanzania. And so I, I took the opportunity, just like you guys do every day when, you, when the Lord says, hey, why don't you whatever, and you're like, okay, you know, same thing. It's just if you keep saying okay and okay, you end up sitting in front of a church talking to people with a weird shirt on. That's where I am today. And so it, what happened was I was sent out by ABC, you know. Um, I was like, I think the Lord wants me to go <clears throat> go to do this. And, and so <clears throat> we prayed through it as a church and, and uh, talked through it with leadership and um, and then was sent out, you know, blessed and, and prayed for by ABC and then, and then ended up in Tanzania. Awesome. That's yeah. amazing. And when you and Sarah went back mm-hmm. and you had received the Bible training and the yeah. endorsement from the organization, mm-hmm. you, you knew that there was an on-ramp to getting into Tanzania, that you had some language and some learning to do. So mm-hmm. tell us about those early years, kind of what God had led you through in order to prepare you for what you're doing now. Yeah, so uh, in order to, to communicate, you have to, like, understand language, right? And you need to understand how you form, you form um, at a 
at a like Discord level. I'm a linguist, so I'm gonna say some weird things sometimes. At like a conversational level, how you're gonna how you're gonna form ideas, so how you're gonna um, present an argument or different things like that. Uh, it's different in different cultures, and um, in the United States we have a certain way of doing it, and we're very familiar with that. But in order to communicate a message overseas, uh, I needed to number one learn the language, and I definitely needed to. Um, have a very good understanding of the culture. And so the way that the Lord um, did that, uh, he provided an opportunity for me to work uh, on a fishing boat, on several fishing boats, and they weren't made of metal, they were made of wood, and it was in a, in a very Muslim community, working in a fishing, fishing village, and I was a diver for several years uh, in the Indian Ocean, and I was brought up in the community. Um, went into the community realizing, like, I don't know anything about anything. Like, I don't know the language. I don't know the culture. And uh, if you guys can imagine yourself in that situation and how, like, bizarre that would be and how you wouldn't really know what to do. You're like an ugly puppy that doesn't know what to do and just make messes everywhere. And that's what I was doing. And that's who I was. And I embraced that. And so step one is acknowledge the problem. And then you know, was really uh, the Lord allowed me to be brought up in the community and be an observer in the community and um, until the point where I was, like, I was welcomed into the community, taught how to be part of it, and then actually was able to participate in the community and, and, and become part of it later on. But that was a long process, and it was very humbling, uh, but it was so good. Like, it's so good to, to realize who we are and, and have to depend on the Lord um, for so many things. So that's how I was brought up into, into the community. And there's so many, so many things below the surface here that you're not hearing able to say, but things like uh, becoming a diver um, in, the Indian, in the Indian Ocean mm-hmm. so to earn some credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and ultimately that fishing business mm-hmm. grew to become where you actually leveraged some of your resources and bought a fishing boat and that turned into a couple of fishing boats and mm-hmm. leading a business of fishing boats um, where yeah. you've got 150 employees, and mm-hmm. um, talk about a little bit of just that cultural immersion and trying to relate to the community that way. Yeah, that was really interesting. Um, I there's a, the captain. My captain was actually an owner over. He had like nine different fishing boats, and he was pretty much the godfather in the community. Like, he invited me over one time. I was like, hey, you should come over for this this party that we're having, and he was like. He's over like all the the shehe and stuff, and and uh, so he it was like a thousand something people. He killed he killed like four cows and and like cooked them all up. And and I was sitting next to my other my other divers, and they they were all dressed with their kanzus and stuff. And um, I was talking to my buddy. His name's Goa, and he's like, "Hey, uh, I'll be back in just a second. He got up and he did this call to prayer, like this beautiful prayer about Abraham and and just the story, but it, like. Like you hear over the loudspeaker coming from the mosque, like he did that, but he was very good at it. And I was just like, that was like the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. That was crazy. And so it turns out I'm, I was sitting with a bunch of, of teachers in different mosques and stuff. The Lord put me in that position. Um, and so, yeah, so eventually I, I, we had to leave uh, to go and live in the village. Um, and uh, I, needed, I needed to have a connection in the community, and so I talked to my captain, and he was like, yeah, you should buy a boat. And I was like, I can't buy a boat. And he's like, well, you should, you should like, borrow money from me and then, and then build a boat. I was like, okay. And so I just borrowed money. And so this is a cultural thing. Anytime you're indebted to someone, it really, it really puts them in a position of authority. And he was like my, my father. And so I was brought up underneath him. And so the boat that we had then produced another boat and another boat and several boats. And yeah, eventually I was employing about 150 Muslim men. And so the whole community was like, I was in the community and got, I was at the table with the guys with the long beards and the, and the hats and the guys that you see on, on the news and stuff. I was sitting with them uh, as, one of, as one of those guys. It's incredible to see how God opened the door for you to step into the community. And um, I, I had the opportunity to go over to Tanzania mm-hmm. a few years ago, 10 years ago or something. And... Um, Maybe not quite that many, eight years ago. Uh, And Abel took me into this fishing village. And if you can just imagine, 
a, a predominantly Muslim village where there's a, a, there's a hierarchy in that community that you or I would never see, but it's there. And Abel walks into the quarters of some of the top leaders in the mosque um, with good camaraderie and relationship because he's sat with them, he's fished with them, he's dived with them, and has the ability to have conversations about scripture and about God because he's earned the credibility. Not only that, but, um, and Abel wouldn't probably tell you this, but his Swahili is perfect. So um, for those that, um, that understand kind of language and, and linguistics, um, Abel doesn't have any, any accent in Tanzania. So if he were to call someone on the telephone, um, they would assume that he was Tanzanian because his Swahili is, is so spot on that um, when he communicates, um, he communicates as a Tanzanian. And so God's given him that gift. It's a, it's a gift of language and the ability to walk into those communities and really absorb the culture and say, okay, how can I somehow redeem what's here? How can I introduce Jesus to the equation? Because that's the missing piece. Mm-hmm. And so all of that context leads you to now the moment where you go, I think there's a way for me to raise up Tanzanians mm-hmm. to, to grow the church. Mm-hmm. It's not that you wanted to go plant churches and become, you know, Californian Abel coming in, you know, with your Bible under your shoulder and saying, we're going to plant churches in Tanzania. No, it's like, let's see how we can elevate these guys mm-hmm. and give them the tools of the gospel mm-hmm. and see churches planted and grown. So that leads us to this kind of curriculum idea. Tell us about that. Yeah, I, I really wish that I went in with this understanding that it wasn't going to be me being that guy, but I did think I was going to be that guy. Like, I was ready to just, like, dunk and dunk baptize people, the whole continent of Africa, because that's what I thought I was going to do. <laughs> totally. I'm the guy. Like, I was sent out by ABC, like the golden boy, hey, be blessed, go. I'm like, I'm going, I'm going, I'm doing this. And it was just I'll like... you know when everybody's saved. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'll call you. But it was... It's just like been this process, you know, and the Lord's really been faithful to, to really help me understand who I am as part of the local church, as part of the local body in Tanzania. Um, so one of the things organizationally that we do is we, we put a high value on language and culture acquisition. Um, so a lot of language, a lot of, a lot of understanding what's being said and how it's being said and um, for the purpose of translating the scripture into the, into the national language. And um, I ended up, we ended up being pulled out of the village because there was some, some really difficult things that were going on there. Uh, moved up to the city, and I was given the job title of uh, missionary training coordinator. So my job was to send up, set up a, a missionary sending entity uh, in Swahili-speaking East Africa to send um, Tanzanians overseas or even cross-culturally uh, inside of the country of Tanzania. Um, and so to do that, um, they had to have an understanding of the message that they were carrying, right? You can't just be like, oh, you go to church? Your church thinks you're cool? Yeah, we're going to send you. Before the Lord, I couldn't do that, you know? And so, so we, took, we took time to make sure that they had an understanding of, of what Scripture says, you know? Um, we made sure that they, they could understand at least who they are in Christ, who we are in relative to, to God, the Creator. And, and so that took... That took a while, um, but before that, I was I was given a task to to take this English curriculum that, that's uh, in it's called uh, Building on Firm Foundations, and it goes through Scripture chronologically and just shows who God is, right? And so my job was to take that and to and to um, to contextualize it into the African context for the purpose of helping our missionaries continent-wide. Um, be able to have some sort of framework to, to build out of. So where do you start? Where do you go? How do you get there? It's, it's like how much comes out in each lesson going through. And so I worked on that for probably eight months. And, um, and I thought I was doing a good job. And then right towards the end, I realized, like, what in the world am I doing? Like, everyone was like, yeah, you're the guy. You're the guy. You can do this. And, and then, like, towards the end, I was like, I think this is broken. Like, I don't think I'm doing a good job making, like, making it an African-type African set of lessons, right? Because I'm, I'm from Cali. I'm a skimboarder. Like, I'm a bodyboarder. I went to Atascadero. I played football with Hector. Like, this is, this is what, we, what we did, right? And so, like, this is, that's who, that's who I am, right? If you could imagine, again, you guys, 
being in that situation, all right, now do this. It's like, what? How am I going to do this? And so what the Lord did was he provided um, a Tanzanian who was working in an office next to mine named Tom. And um, Tom, right at the end of developing the first, the first uh, English version, um, I would, during tea time, we have tea time in Tanzania. It was a British colonized country, so we, we, keep, we keep tea time. Um, so during tea time, we would be, we would be um, drinking tea, and I'd be talking with Tom and be like, hey, so I use this as an example for, for this part of scripture of how God is. Is that, is that right? Like, does it bring the right picture? And he's like, well, God's not actually like that. And I'm like, well, yeah, but is this show this? Because I know that God's like that. He's like, God's not like that. I'm like, yes, he is. And he's like, no, he's not. And so then we start opening scripture and like really working through like sharpening each other uh, through scripture, right? And so we would meet at, 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 chai, at tea time and, uh, and we would just be like talking and arguing and people would be like, looking at us like, what is up with those guys? Like, do they hate each other? But we love each other, like, so much. But we really wanted to know, like, what Scripture said. So it was just a sweet time of, like, digging into Scripture and, and pulling out the truth. And so what happened was the, the curriculum that, that I was making, I was like, it's broken. I don't want to send it out. But my leadership was like, hey, send us the stuff. I know that you finished. And I'm like, ah, it's not good. And they're like, ah, stop being humble. I'm sure it's fine. I was like, no, it's really, like, terrible. And, and so I sent it uh, little by little so that hopefully they would get tired of waiting for it because I'm a stubborn <laughs> little guy. And uh, so then they were like, Abel, we know what you're doing. Just send us the whole thing. And I was like, oh. And they even sent one of my buddies from West Africa to come in and talk to me about it. It was bad. I was a bad missionary. But then uh, so, he, so I sent them the stuff. And like two weeks later, it was translated. It was like a 200-something page uh, set of lessons. Two weeks later, it was translated into French, and it was being taught at the Missionary Training Center in, in, in Dakar, in Senegal. Let me stop you there real quick. Okay, so you've written this curriculum, mm -hmm. and it's, it's supposed to be for an African context, and you're looking at it now humbly going, my goodness, who am I to write this? Like, no, no way. And you got Tom speaking in your ear going, yeah, I, you're right. It's broken. I didn't do it right. I didn't do it good. And you almost had to put it on the altar at some point for your leadership and say, mm -hmm. okay, well, here it is. I, I, it's not what I hope it would be or what I want it to be. And so it, it left your hands ultimately, and God took it, and then what happened? Yeah, so it was, it was God just took a hold of it, and it was being used um, to train missionaries in, in French-speaking West Africa, and it went to like Burkina Faso and Cote d'Ivoire and, and different Western African countries. Uh, it was translated into Portuguese and, and taught in Mozambique, and uh, it was used in English in, in South Africa and in, in Zimbabwe and in different, in different countries. Lots and lots of churches used it, and it, what they did was the people got it, and there was like a framework, and so then they were able to contextualize it further themselves. Mm -hmm. And so God, God used it and has been using it. In, in, and it's like in, hundreds of thousands of churches. Yeah, it's really Literally, like this amazing. piece of material that God's taken, and mm -hmm. it's amazing to see yeah. what God's doing. Yeah. But here's, here's the, the more fun part of the story is mm -hmm. now you've got Tanzanian Tom, if mm -hmm. it's okay if I call him that. I love Tanzanian Tom. Mm -hmm. um, and so you're going, but, it's, but I can do better. Tom can make this better because mm -hmm. he understands. He gets the culture. Mm -hmm. He knows Tanzania. Mm -hmm. And so then you sit down and go, let's, let's do this right. Yeah. And so we begin working on, the, on the, the curriculum for Swahili speaking East Africa. So it's Tanzania, Kenya, Burundi, Rwanda, some parts of Congo, uh, northern Mozambique and northern Malawi. And so we, we started working on, on developing this, this curriculum that's, that's all in Swahili, like built from, from brand new, just struggling through scripture together. And, and, we, and we worked and worked and worked, and it, and it took uh, several years. And during that time, um, it was just, it was very difficult. There's a battle going on, you know? And so we, we, um, we, my visa was up, our visas were up as a family, so we had to leave the country every three months, which is a gnarly trip. Every time you go across a border in Africa, it's, it's, it's a risky thing, you know? And so we were going out of the country and coming back in every three months, our kids, you know, our three kids, pulling them out of school and taking them across the border. Um, 
we were working in, uh, in, in people's garages. Uh, we were working in, in people's closets and stuff. Like, we couldn't, we couldn't work. And we couldn't be doing things. And so we, we would seriously be hiding in different places for 50 hours a week as we were developing this stuff. And, like, up against doors that were so hot from the sun that we couldn't touch them, so we, like, had to cover them with sheets. And then we'd, we'd still get burned, but it was just like, this is what we were, we were doing, you know? And um, out of that, uh, the, Lord, the Lord brought this, um, changed my life, like changed it completely. Working through scripture with him, with, with, with God like pouring in and changing me, um, it was a beautiful thing. I just want to say this, like we have an understanding of, of who God is and, and we're right in our understanding, right? It's, but it's incomplete, right? God mm-hmm. is so much bigger. We can't understand him and his etern- eternality and every part of who he is. And, and so as I was working through scripture with Tom, developing this stuff, like I had, I have this wonderful blessing that, that God's given me and I'm gonna try to explain it, but you know how we have two eyes in our head? The reason why we have two eyes is so we can have depth perception and understand like the depth of, do you guys know that that's how that works? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so. So what happens is if, if you and I were to sit down and talk about God um, like 10 years ago, I, we, would, we would have pretty much the same perspective. And, and it, it would be totally right, right? God is, we're, we're cleansed by his blood, like God's perfect. We're, we're counted righteous. We're in, in, inherit, inheritors of, of all of his goodnesses and the promises that he has, uh, joint heirs with Christ, like all these things. Good. They're very true, right? But there's... But there's Tom, Tanzanian Tom. He's not going to see this, so I can say that, but I feel bad saying that. <laughs> Tom is such a good guy. Um, but he, he was raised differently. He has a very different worldview. And so as Tom and I were working through Scripture to try to figure out what Scripture said, he was describing God from a different perspective, mm-hmm. right? From, from this different viewpoint way over here. And so we would be talking about God as, as like one wall, right, of a building, and we would be right. It's God. We're describing him. We're talking about him, encouraged by him, rejoicing in, in the fullness of who he is. But then Tom and Tanzanians are seeing God this way over here from on this different, this different plane. And so at first it was like really frustrating. But then slowly as we we're working through scripture, I was like, I think Tom's right. But I think I'm right too. And I think, and so somehow we're both right. And, and then eventually we were pulled like to the corner of this building mm-hmm. and we were both like, oh my goodness, like God is so much bigger and more mm-hmm. full and more perfect and, and more like amazing and creative in his, in his creation than we could ever have imagined. And, and we we're just rejoicing in that, right? But it took like hundreds and hundreds of hours of struggling and, and working through things. But God is like perfectly that mm. eternally, yeah. you know? And like, and it brought up to me, like, how many times have we as missionaries and people trying to, trying to communicate a message unintentionally snuffed that out and been like, this is who God is. No, this is who God is. He's not like that. Stop. He's not like that. Because this is our understanding of who he is, right? And so it's, I, I use the example of, like, a, like a soup. We're making a chicken soup or something, and we put salt in it. And we're like, salt, 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 salt. We're salt of the earth, salt, salt, salt. And then someone comes up from this other culture and they're like, I'm gonna put pepper in. And you're like, get out of here, it's salt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How many beautiful flavors as you put them into the soup, like God is so beautiful in his, in his diversity, mm. right? And we experience that as we, as we look at his creature, creation and we're in awe of him. So how many times have we unintentionally done that? No yeah. garlic, sorry. Yeah. Like all these different things that actually make the soup good. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. What, what Abel's talking about is it's in our, right in our passages. We're going through Matthew in Matthew chapter 9, verse uh, 16. Jesus says, No one puts a, a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and 
a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine, that's the new covenant, the new message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is put into fresh wineskins. So both are preserved. And so now he has this fresh Swahili wineskin for the African context Mm -hmm. that has a more holistic understanding of how they're seeing the world and being able to talk about um, eternity to eternity, the story of God, the narrative of a redeemer creator God Mm -hmm. in their context. Mm -hmm. It's the new wineskins and it's a beautiful product. Yeah. And I think something that we, that we do, we just naturally do is we're like, Hey, this thing that, that was created, like maybe in, in some other state, it worked really well for them. So let's do that at our church, and then we'll have the yeah. same results. But it's really not the, the program that is the cool thing. It's something that's developed in communion with God for yeah. that time and that place. Yeah. Like, we actually have to struggle through the development of those things. And so, like, it's, it's living in communion and responding to, to what God's saying, right? And, and so this is, this is a book. It's in Swahili. You can look at it if you want, but I don't know if it's going to help you. Um, <laughs> So these are just the different, uh, like this is the 38 les- lesson and says Jesus shows his authority by, by forgiving sin, which is like crazy. And, and you, if you remember like what happened in scripture when he did that, everyone's like, what in the world? Heresy. Like this is completely, you can't do that at all, you know, but but it shows who he is. He does have that authority. Like he can heal people. He's like, that's not a big deal. Watch this. I'm going to forgive him his sin. And everyone's like, what? Forget about that. He just create, did a miracle mm-hmm. showing his authority over, over the body and, and healing. The sin thing was like, no, no, no. That's only God can do that, right? So anyway, this book is for sale. Not really. It's not really for sale. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not going to help you. I'm just telling you. Google Translate It's not going to yeah. get it. It's, it's but, amazing. And we're going um, to wrap up. I want to pray for yeah. you. But there's one more piece. And I'll just share this as I pray. Um, and then we're going to invite Brooke up. And I really am excited for you to hear from Brooke as well. Uh, this is the kind of phase two that it's contextual for the Swahili culture. Um, right now, Abel's working now, really finishing phase three, which he's saying, okay, what if we stripped off some of the contextual skin of Swahili and Muslim and African context and got down to the skeleton of what really is this curriculum and provided it in English so that all cultures all over the world, all churches could use that skeleton story of the narrative of God to contextualize it for their own culture. And that's now uh, spreading around. So amazing resources. We're going to pray blessing over those resources, but you have one more word. I just want to say that, that the English one, that's actually going to make sense to you guys. That's going to be available to you guys to use and you don't have to buy it, of course. Awesome. Love it. Let me pray. Father, we're so grateful that you have given us a glimpse into what you're doing in the world. Lord, thank you for allowing for Abel um, to, to do the work that you've called him to do for giving him the resources he needs. Lord, I pray your hand of blessing over Sarah and over Andrew and Heidi and Pacey. Lord, would you protect those children? Would you lead them as Abel and Sarah disciple them? God, would you provide for their family and continue showing them the next steps in their story as they walk to follow you in obedience? Um, God, thank you for the fruit. It's so fun to celebrate the fruit. And uh, the small part that we play in this um, is such a privilege, God. Thank you. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Give Abel a hand. Thank you, Abel, for being here. I'll give this to Brooke. Yeah. So Brooke's going to join me uh, for the last few minutes here. And by the way, Abel's going to be around um, today after the services and tonight at our dinner. Um, so if you want to visit with him a little bit more. Brooke is a missionary in Romania. And um, fun fact, before I let you introduce yourself... Um, Brooke will be speaking to us in English, so you'll be thankful for that. Um, and yet, that's not your heart language. So tell me about your heart language. Yes, my heart language is actually used with my hands. Uh, it's American Sign Language, and I am a CODA, which is a child of a deaf adult. And maybe uh, you saw the movie CODA. I don't know if you have, but that's me. I'm a CODA, and I use sign language in my home, and it's a, a language that I connect with deeply. 
Yeah, so growing up as a child of two deaf parents, um, you began signing it like eight, what, eight nine months, mm-hmm. something like that, before mm-hmm. most of us knew what was going on in the world. Um, <laughs> she was speaking sign language. Um, so it's an amazing part of her story. And so as uh, Brooke kind of grew up in the church and or came, came to the church um, at some point, really felt like in my that's, 20s. that's yeah. an important gift mm-hmm. for me that I want to share. And so tell us about that moment kind of in your 20s, you realizing kind of there's there's a very lost world out there that you want to um, reach and, and how that fit into your story. Yes. So um, I very much grew up in a chaotic lifestyle in my teens and was very broken and made very poor decisions. But in my 20s, I was redeemed by the grace of God and through my story um, And then when I was 21, I heard from a missionary from India about the unreached people groups in the world, meaning there were uh, millions of people in the world that don't even have an opportunity to respond to the name of Jesus and be transformed by his his life. And uh, there's not one single scripture in their language. And that broke my heart, and it excited me all at the same time. It broke my heart because I knew where I would be without Christ which was either dead or in jail, to be honest. And I wanted people to know how loved and and created for a purpose they are by Jesus Christ. And so I was ready to go. I was excited because I knew that that's what God had created me for, to be a part of that. But I had a lot of healing to do and a lot of... um, also, uh, Bible training uh, along the way, but uh, Celebrate Recovery was a big part of my healing. And then uh, about 14 years later, um, I was really finally looking at like, okay, what people group am I going to work with? And, and God was revealing to me that the deaf are the largest unreached people group. And it just made sense that that's... Okay, hold on. Sorry. Uh-huh. I'm going to stop you. Say that again. The, the deaf, deaf are, are the largest unreached people group. In, in the, the world. world. Mm-hmm. That's true. And that's surprising probably to most of you. It was to me that there are more deaf people in the world without access to the gospel, mm-hmm. without the Bible translated in their heart language, and without enough of a core group of believers to start um, some sort of Bible study or church to be able to share that with them. Mm-hmm. It's the largest unreached people group in the world. And so God led you to that. And just so happens you know how to speak to them. Yeah, yeah. It's an amazing connection for how God has led you to this, yeah, this point. Yeah, um, one of the reasons why they're so un- unreached as well is because there's almost 400 sign languages in the world. Mm. So um, there's finally one complete Bible translation, which is the American Sign Language version, was just completed two years ago after 38 years of hard work. Wow. But because of technology that's available nowadays, um, we are able to start translation projects and the acceleration will be quicker. It's not as quick as a written translation because the sign language Bible is on video mm-hmm. and that requires a lot more complexity. Yeah, and that's something that Brooke has helped me understand too is the kind of the tactics of it are that... Um, signed languages are so visual mm-hmm. and there's so much body language that goes into it. It's, it's not as if you could um, just put signs on a paper, right? you know, you need to see that and interact with that. Mm-hmm. And so it's a complex process for people. Yeah. To sign language is very uh, linguistically sophisticated. It's, it is its own language with grammar and syntax. It's not just a made up uh, hand gesture for each word. And so, and deaf think differently. They're very, they use their eyes to communicate. They're very mm-hmm. visual. They think in story form. So if they look at words on a paper, it's not going to mean much to them because they use sign language and it's a second language to them. Mm-hmm. So you kind of started this journey of how can I get the training I need, the resources I need to be able to go translate for deaf communities. Mm-hmm. And so that led you to where? Yes, so I ended up joining with Wycliffe Bible Translators, and when you join the Global Sign Language Team, you go to Romania for a year of just language and culture acquisition to learn what it feels like to be a a messy puppy. I totally relate to that, Uh, and just being like an infant in a new world where English is not used, (laughs) and um, 
just learning uh, Romanian sign language, getting to know what it feels like, and um, learning how to adjust, and also learning about our different partner organizations, because Bible translation into sign language requires so many efforts across the world, so many resources, and it reminds me of the body of Christ as we give our gifts to the end result. We have different organizations that have different skill sets, and we're all working together in order to come alongside the deaf communities and also elevate them, have them trained up, help them to translate the Bible into their heart language. Yeah, it's amazing. So you go to Romania to learn uh, Romanian sign mm-hmm. as part of the study, but also some of the international standards, uh, European standards. And um, But you didn't leave Romania. The goal right. was to go out and start to translate in other parts of the world. But what happened from there? Yeah, so COVID hit uh, just about weeks after I arrived. So that was a bit of culture shock on top of everything else, just being isolated. But I also saw God's hand in that because it forced me to stay in Romania because part of my year training, I was supposed to travel to two different countries to see different contexts and um, really ask the Lord, where do you want me in the world? Uh, You know, Asia Pacific, the Americas, Romania, Um, But I didn't get to travel, so I knew God wanted me in Romania. And so I've been there for two years and eight months now. But with the travel lifting, I am traveling to Asia Pacific. And I do work remotely from home as an interpreter as well with different translation teams. So I'm excited to meet my co-laborers in Christ, my deaf brothers and sisters um, in Asia next month. And because sign language is a 3D language, it's going to be so good to learn their their sign languages in person because it's been really challenging to build relationship and learn their language on a screen. So I'm really excited to meet them. So when she says she's working from home, that's in Romania, working on Zoom and other ways Mm -hmm. to connect with these global sign language interpretation, translation movements. Mm -hmm. Um, That's required you to learn a little bit of language. And Mm -hmm. so she said there's 400 languages. Brooke is fluent in American Sign Language um, and English. Um, And then going to to Romania required that you learn Romanian Sign Language. Yes. Uh And that's now an acquired language Mm -hmm. for you, along with Romanian verbally spoken language spoken uh-huh. language and then now there's these international standards so she's learning the international standard for asia so she can serve the asian team that's translating in asian sign languages mm-hmm. and there's a european standard that she's learned mm-hmm. um, rumor has it that you actually know tanzanian sign language i do know as some well. i we i work with a team in tanzania a deaf bible translation team that's doing incredible things and i got to visit Sarah and Abel and the family while I was there, and we celebrated 4th of July. I didn't even know it was 4th of July, and I walked in their house, and they're like, barbecue, and they've got everything set up. I said, oh, yeah, it is 4th of July, and I get to celebrate it with Americans. It was really great. In Tanzania. I mean, only God would do this, right? It's so amazing. (laughs) Totally unrelated. Like, if you didn't catch that, she's like on a project to Mm -hmm. serve Tanzanian sign language efforts and shows up at the Miller's house for 4th of July barbecue. What, did you kill a cow? Oh, that's too bad. Maybe Before I got there, you did it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so God has you on this journey, and it's amazing to see what he's doing throughout the world in these translation efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it turns out that your story is to be, at least for now, stationed in Romania. So you're there. Yes. And, of course, at the beginning of the year, this war breaks out mm-hmm. in the Ukraine, mm-hmm. and um, you're on a bordering country. Mm-hmm. So we call you up and say, Brooke, is there anything we can do? And you all stepped up, and we were mm-hmm. able to raise, I think, sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars $17,000. And we, were, we called a few of our missionaries, Brooke being one of them, saying, can we help this mm-hmm. broken nation, these hurting people, um, and you stepped up, right? Tell us a little bit about some of the ways you Well, you all stepped up, and I just want to thank you so much for your love and your prayers. And it, it's such an honor to be on the ground because of you. I was able to be placed in Romania, a bordering country of this war. And um, just to share a little bit, to give you a glimpse, you know, the, the deaf are the, the last to, to hear about things. You know, they're the last to hear about Christ. They're the last to hear about the news. They're the last to know a family member's getting married. A lot of uh, deaf are so isolated. And then with this war on top of it, you know, imagine being hunkered down below your house, just wondering what's happening and, and um, hours 
on end of complete darkness and not being able to talk because you use sign language and you rely on light to mm. communicate and just that, that fear that sets in. And then, um, but because of God and his goodness and just the connections that, and resources that were provided, I was able to connect with the Ukrainian Bible translation team and missionaries and, and people that I haven't uh, connected with before the war. And then there was an effort to start bringing Ukrainian refugees into Romania. And many of them were in transit, meaning they were looking to come into Romania, and then leave to another country that might have more resources because Romania is pretty poor. But you helped come bring resources to help them come in safely into a new country. And then um, we had a deaf team at the border receiving them, letting them know, like, we know sign language, we speak your language, we're here to help you, let us um, get you connected with, uh, with Brooke and other people. And I would meet them at the train station or they would come to my house and stay with me and just love them and share the hope of Christ with them, and many of them not believers, but just pouring God's love out and knowing that they experienced Christ because of you. And some of them, a handful of them, have decided to make um, our city, Oradia, Romania, their home, and they've found jobs, and they're living their life, but there's still a lot of trauma they're dealing with, and so I'm just building relationships with them, and we've uh, been able to provide uh, practical needs and care, such as dental, medical, um, interpreting services. And then all of these times that we spend together, um, I'm sharing that Jesus loves you. There's a church back home that loves you. God saved you from this war for a purpose. And then they're sharing what they believe in their worldview. And I just get to listen and I get to sit with them and have meals with them and just be in awe that God has placed me there. And you are a part of that. And I just thank you so much. And I believe in faith that this group that's staying there are going to put their faith in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And they are plugged into the Deaf Church yeah. for community right now. Um, yeah. That's amazing. Tell us quickly about uh, this sweet older woman who was a believer mm -hmm. ended up on a van by herself and yeah, yeah. Um, needed to get to some extended family. So her name is Elena and she was um, in an apartment in the midst of the war and was trapped there for about a, a month until it was safe enough, safe enough to leave. And so she would go down under uh, beneath the dwellings of the apartment most of the time. And when it was safe enough, she would come up to her apartment, but the windows were blown out and she could get internet connection once in a while to connect with her daughter. She is our sister in Christ. And um, finally, she was able to get a passage into Romania. And there were 10 people, deaf people, scheduled to get on a bus at a certain time. And she was the only one that showed up because the other nine had thought, oh, okay, well, there's time. Maybe the war is not as bad. We can stay. We'll, we'll, we'll just stay. And she was the only one that showed up. And she's about this tall in stature. And there's two men driving the, the van. And it's a huge van because it's supposed to fit all 12 of them. And uh, they pass through <laughs> border checks and different guards. And here she is in the back of the car, this little tiny woman and two men. And the guards are just looking like, what is going on? Like, why would you do this for this woman? You know, and okay, go on, you know, just bewildered. And she makes it across the border. And um, that Sunday, actually, the pastor shared the story of the 10 virgins and the lamp oil. And I just thought of that, mm. like, we have to be ready, mm. right? And she was ready and positioned. But I also thought of like the God, God's goodness and grace that she loved her enough to make, to bring her to Romania and um, just the witness that was to the guards, you know, because a lot of people don't care about one woman. What's one woman in this whole mess? Mm. Yeah. But God does, and that's our sister and his daughter. And then I got to just love on her, and we had Bible study and worship and went to the gardens and took her photos, and just um, she was able to, to be with deaf people and use her language, use a sign language um, after being isolated for so long. And then now she's reunited with her daughter in Spain, who's a CODA, mm, and we amazing. stay connected. Yeah. It's so many things like this, and, and there are countless stories. Abel, he's got another dozen stories like that where God's working 
And it's as if there's this stream, you know, that you look and see God moving through this stream. And we walk up to the edge of the stream, Brooke does and Abel does. And, and you look and see where God's going and go, okay, I'm going to step in. Mm-hmm. I'm going to step into the stream. And you begin wading in and God just takes you. And on this journey that you really don't know what it's going to entail, but he's faithful and he provides. And we get to be a small part of that. We get to see the stream and then wave to you as you go by, but to celebrate and cheer you on and say, we, big have part our, of it. <laughs> we have our own streams to get into, yeah. you know, and God mm-hmm. is calling us to do our own work in, in our community. And so, Brooke, we're so encouraged, so encouraged by what you shared with us this morning. And thank you for letting us be a part of it. Um, Thank thank you you for giving us a glimpse into what God's doing. I want to pray for you. And then we're going to wrap up with a kind of a unique, um, a unique uh, closer this morning is a a song that we've done here at our church called The Blessing. Um, And it's uh, it's signed in um, in a British sign language. So listen for the British accent. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Brooke. Thank you, Lord, for the streams of your work and your mercy and your fruit and for allowing her to step into that. God, lead us to those streams for each and every one of us. Thank you that um, we get to partner with her. Lord, we're privileged and honored that we get to hear a good report back from Romania of what you're doing. God, lead her forward, provide for her, protect her, God, I pray for meaningful friendship for Brooke, meaningful connection, partnership for her in ministry. And as she begins to travel a bit more and shows up over um, in some of these um, Eastern Asian countries and and really gets to connect face-to-face for some of the first times, Lord, I just ask that those would be fruitful and enjoyable moments. Um, So continue leading her. We trust you as you lead to provide. In your name I pray, amen. Take a look at this song.
pray a blessing, manna rain down from heaven. This isn't second guessing, we know that we are protected. May the peace that surpasses all understanding be our message. Grace and favors in your nature, in your essence. May favor be upon you and a thousand generations. And your family, and your children, and the children, and the children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations. And your family, and your children, and the children, and the children. And after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Listen to this. And crying out with a loud voice, singing, Shout, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And that's the end that we're working toward. That's what we're after. That's what the kingdom of God is all about, that we are going to arrive one day with every tribe and every tongue and every nation, worshiping him forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. Um, come and join us tonight at dinner at six, um, and you'll hear a little bit more encouraging stories. Um, have a wonderful Sunday, and we'll see you next uh, or this evening.